Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Sports Travel Podcast, where we interview leaders from throughout the sports event industry. This is Matt Traub, Managing Editor of Sports Travel, and our guest today is Joe Zalek, the President and CEO of the 2022 Special Olympics USA Games. But before we begin, first a word from our sponsor. This episode of the Sports Travel Podcast is being sponsored by the Teens Conference and Expo, the world's largest gathering of sports event organizers and the destinations and suppliers that serve the sports event industry. Teams 22 will be held in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma from October 24th through the 27th, 2022. This year's conference will again feature the co-location of the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Sports Link Program and NGB Best Practices Seminar, as well as the annual Symposium of the National Congress of State Games. For more details on everything planned at Teams this year, please visit teamsconference.com. And now, on to the conversation. Starting June 5th at Exploria Stadium, the 2022 Special Olympics USA Games will unite more than 5,500 athletes and coaches from all 50 states, the Caribbean, and 125,000 spectators. This event will have 19 Olympic-style team and individual sports and 30 events at venues across Orlando. We talk with the president and CEO of this year's games, Joe Zalek, about the work that has gone into setting up the event organizationally over the past four years, how COVID interrupted and changed planning, how Orlando has adopted the games as a major event, and much more. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Joe Zalek, welcome to the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks, Matt. With the Special Olympics USA Games being only a few days away, how would you describe the level of excitement and anticipation within the community? Well, Matt, we've been working on these games for almost four and a half years. And so to be now within the last week, there's a high level of excitement. Um, some of our family members are already down here. Uh, so we're, we're just excited to finally be able to, uh, to hold and, and start the largest USA Special Olympic Games in the 52-year history of our program. You talk about the four years that you've been working on planning before the games get underway soon. During the bidding process, how was the community able to work together in putting forth the type of presentation that would resonate with Special Olympics USA, knowing how important this event is for them and making them want to have their one of their biggest events ever come to Orlando, Florida? Well, first of all, you know, we're excited. We've never had the games here in Florida. They've been throughout the United States. So for us, it was an exciting process to put together the bid and I led the bid team and that was just an exciting period. So I think people realize and know that Central Florida, you know, is, is really a tourism capital, probably tourism capital of, of the U.S. or the world, we like to think. Uh, but they don't know that it's also a, a great sports tourism destination. So we were able to we, we got government leaders, business leaders members of the community, members of the, of the sports commissions, all together. We put together a very competitive bid. We, we beat several of the states out. Uh, and really it was the combination of our sports venues, which we think are world-class here, and then just a fun place for people to, to come and visit. You mentioned the part where this is going to be more than just a sporting competition. People will be there to compete in athletics. But the fact that you're able to have in Orlando so many other different things that they can do when they're not competing. How much do you think that was part of the attraction for Special Olympics USA and, bring, and going to Orlando? Well, for the first time ever, 
uh, in the history of the games, athletes will be staying here in the United States in hotels. Normally they stay in college dorms and, and very often the, the games have been uh, on college campuses, which are an ideal place for the games. But our athletes will be staying at Disney hotels. Uh, they'll be visiting uh, Disney theme parks on two separate occasions throughout the week. And, and we've got a lot of other fun things to do in addition to, you know, sporting competitions, which will run the entire week. So it's fun. It's competition. It's great weather. Uh, so we, we just think it's it, we hit a home run. You speak about the Special Olympics USA Games. It will have 19 Olympic-style team and individual sports. There will be 30 events at venues across Orlando. What went into securing facilities that would be part of this event and pitching them to be part of this event? First of all, we're blessed to have the ESPN Wide World of Sports Complex be basically our, our host venue. We'll have about half of the sports, 10 out of the 19 sports, will be there. And so that's a beautiful 230-acre campus. Uh, Disney was our host partner from day one. So we've got that great campus. Uh, it's walkable. Um, and it's got great indoor and outdoor facilities. And then we're fortunate, you know, as I said, people know us as a uh, theme park destination. Of course, we've got the USTA headquarters down here, which is the largest tennis complex in the world. Over, uh, It's about 100 tennis courts. Uh, we've got the uh, Aquatic Center, the Rosen Aquatic Center, which is where many, many uh, competitions, Olympic uh, competitions have been held, and et cetera. We're just, we've got some great venues. In terms of securing them, that was one of the easiest jobs I had. I went in and said, gee, we've got a, we're going to have uh, probably over 5,000 athletes and coaches, and family members coming down, and we like to use our venue. And for the most part, they said, you know, our venue is your venue. That was the easiest thing, securing the venues. What has the actual preparation in the weeks leading to the opening ceremony and then the games been like, not just in preparing the venues, but all around from an organizational standpoint? Depending upon how you look at our events really big or it's, you know, pales in comparison to some other large events. The key thing for us is, you know, the events, the athletes are going to be here for eight days. And so we've got... The, the official delegation size is slightly over 6,000 people. So we've got to move 6,000 people every day. We've got to transport to various sporting venues, got to get them fed, uh, got to get them over to the theme parks. And so there's a lot of logistics involved, and, and that's been a, a huge task for us. Now, fortunately, we're here in Orlando, which we like to think is also the logistics capital of the world, because on any given day, we're moving, I think the last number I saw was about 450,000 tours through convention centers to theme parks to hotels. So there's a great infrastructure here, but nonetheless, you know, sometimes our Special Olympic athletes uh, require some additional time uh, to, to move through lines or have additional requirements of wheelchairs, et cetera. So uh, it's been very challenging for the team. But, but we've had a lot of time to plan, and we've got some very talented people from the community who are volunteering their times from, from the various uh, theme parks and, and sports venues. So we've got a great team. It's complex. It's big. But we're well prepared, and we're excited. You mentioned the, the amount of logistical work that you have to do. This event brings in, like you said, several thousand athletes, coaches, families, how many volunteers did you have to recruit locally to help organize this event to make it run smoothly? And how did you go about the process in finding those volunteers and making sure that they were ready for the, this event? First of all, our, our, our full-time staff is very small, about 30 people. 
we rely upon volunteers consistent with the traditional Olympics to do a lot of our tasks. We've currently got over 12,000 volunteers who have signed up. We've got about 28,000 volunteer ships that need to be filled. And those 12,000 people have taken about 20,000 ships so far. So we've still got to fill another 8,000 ships over the next uh, eight days. Um, and we're, we're pretty confident we could do that. What did it take? First of all, people are volunteering. They're coming in overseas from around the United States. There's some people every four years, they have this on their calendar because our event is every four years and they do it and they've been doing it for, for decades. We, you know, fortunate enough here to have uh, some, some great large companies such as, as Disney uh, who have a big volunteer program and Publix and, and Jersey Mike's. So it's been a combination of pretty easy and really hard because there's some specific skills um, that, that are a little harder to come by. Matt, for example, we will do 12,000 health exams. One of the things people think we're a sporting competition, we're also a health organization because we found early on that if our athletes weren't healthy and they didn't have the proper shoes or the proper glasses, they couldn't compete. So, you know, so we have a lot of doctors and nurses and healthcare professionals, and, and obviously it's a little bit more challenging to ask them to come out for a week uh, like others. But we're excited. We've got the team, and uh, we're just ready to, to, to host these athletes, these courageous athletes. By the way, Matt, another interesting statistic, more than half our athletes never been on a plane or left their home state. You know, so we just take for granted these are athletes and they're, they're traveling to competitions, not so much. So for us, this is a great chance for Florida to showcase our, you know, our openness um, and, and how much, you know, how, how much we, we just really will welcome, open our hearts, our minds, you know, to people who are just different. You mentioned how for some of these athletes, this will be the trip of a lifetime for them. Does that make you and everybody else on the staff feel a little extra pressure or does it make you feel even, I guess, in a different, a different way of putting it would be pride in knowing that their one trip of a lifetime is going to be coming to your event and your destination? Uh, that was an or question. And I'll answer with a yes. <laughs> um, it, 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 a little bit of both. Um, I, I think for us, it's pride uh, because We've, as I said, we've got these great venues and, and our athletes are so appreciative of what we're doing. So for us, just as we've done some events prior to the games, um, it's just been exciting. We currently have the torch run. I was up in Chicago last week. We lit the torch in Chicago. It's working its way down through 14 states, 3,300 miles. We're stopping all the major cities. Uh, and I've been at a couple of those stops meeting with our athletes who are coming to the games. They're just so excited to come. They're so excited to come to Florida. And as I said, just to compete on a national stage, the games are televised. Uh, they'll be on ABC opening ceremonies or re recap and ESPN. So, you know, there, there's just a lot of excitement. In your role as president and CEO of Special Olympics USA Games, what do you tell people about the growth of the movement for this event and how it has evolved over the years? A couple of different factors at work. For as far as growth in, in, in terms of our, our games, we're the largest games ever by a factor of 50%. We were lucky enough early on to get Jersey Mike's and, and, and Disney and a few other sponsors to make significant contributions to allow us, because normally the, the gate is we pay for everything. And so it's just how much money can you raise? And we got some very large partnerships early on. So we said there is no limit. Usually you put a limit by state. We said send as many athletes as you wish. 
So that's been been exciting. At the same time, the last couple of years with COVID, many of our athletes, you know, have not been able to participate in, in sports and practices. And so overall, the program has faced some challenges just in, in you know, people staying home uh, like many of us did and isolate, right? And so now this is a big coming out party. Uh, the Special Olympics program since 1968 has been growing and growing. But the last couple of years have been challenging, uh, you know, for society and, and, and for the Special Olympics movement. So we're just excited to have a big old party here in Orlando. You mentioned how you won this bid about four years ago to host the games. And that seems like 40 years ago sometimes when you mentioned what what things have been like with COVID and people, you know, being isolated and then more more openness as the, the months going on, especially this spring. What has that been like for you guys organizationally? Because you win the bid, you start organizing, then all of a sudden the world shuts down. And now the world, as it opens up more and more, the plans that you guys had probably four years ago don't look anything like the plans that you have now in terms of how you're going to organize and, and pull off this event. Yes. So, so it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. You know, obviously COVID has impacted, you know, the world and impacted, you know, all dimensions and parts of our society. Uh, it's been a big impact for us, especially because our athletes are significantly more vulnerable, not only to COVID, uh, but but to, to many other uh, illnesses and diseases, it's uh, you know we've lost some athletes, we've gained some athletes, so it, it's been a challenge. Matt, the other challenge which I would not have anticipated until six months ago is supply chain. Uh, just in order for us to get uh, you know surprisingly you know simple things you think we'd be able to get, we haven't been able to get, or had to change suppliers, or you know or made other adjustments. Or you know it, it, it was really threefold. It was, it was obviously the COVID challenges, supply chain, and then some of our partners' ability to participate, whether or not it's sending volunteers or vaccination policies, or in some cases, you know, them freezing budgets in, in the last couple of years. So it's, it's been a challenge. We got a great team, though. We worked our way through it, and we are ready and looking forward, uh, really, to having all the athletes come here next week. You know, when you when you're asked whether around in Orlando or traveling outside the region as uh, to take part in various parts of the torch relay about why a person should attend or watch the Special Olympics USA Games, what do you tell them? First of all, I, I tell them, you know, just for, for your uh, listeners, so you know, Special Olympics, we, we have what's divisioning, right? So we've got athletes competing in wheelchairs to our highest level could be the equivalent of division two uh, college sports very competitive teams. Regardless of the level, there's always great competition because you're competing against people of your same skill set. But the reason I would tell people to whether or not it's on TV or if you happen to be here in Florida or want to come take a nice vacation to Orlando, uh, June 5th through June 12th, it's watching our athletes is for me very inspiring. Um, you know, it shows their grit, their determination, their effort, uh, despite the challenges and, and, and the difficulties they may be going through. Uh, so for me, it, it's just it's just a good reminder, um, and and it, I, I just for me, it, it's just inspiring. You mentioned that, and as you've been part of the planning so closely and so intricately linked from the bid until now, ahead of the games, how has this experience changed, if at all, what Special Olympics means to you as an organization? I mean, I, I, I think I appreciate it much more. I've been involved with Special Olympics for over a decade and through various volunteering positions. 
being working closely with the athletes, one of the things we try to do with these games is ensure everything we do is through the lens of an athlete. Whether or not it's our game's logo, our game slogan, we're all designed and developed by our athletes. And what I found, which was just you know, amazing to me, is our, our, our athletes are different, right? You know, they got intellectual differences. Sometimes they got bigger challenges. Sometimes they've got better insight. They're just different. And we can learn a lot from that. And I think, you know, often society judges whether our athletes can and can't do, uh, not on a factual basis, but just through stereotypes. And for me, I've been able to see what our athletes can do. And it really is amazing. And it's inspiring. And it's humbling. When you are there at the opening ceremony, uh, the culmination, the start of a week's worth of competition, but also the culmination of four years of work. What will that experience be like for you? Hopefully I'll get a chance to, to absorb it and, and watch it through a different lens. We've got, uh, you know, it's an exciting program. Uh, Sarah Bareilles is going to be our entertainment. Uh, we have, you know, Disney doing the producing of the show. So there's just a lot of exciting aspects of, of opening ceremonies. We're, we're holding it at Exploria Stadium, which is a beautiful new you know, soccer stadium here in Orlando. So the environment's going to be great. We're going to have, you know, the athletes who are going to be inspiring. We're going to have Disney producing the show. So I, I'm just going to hopefully be able to sit back with pride uh, and, and watch our athletes uh, enjoy the, uh, the ceremony. Well, the opening ceremony is June 5th and competition lasts for a week throughout Orlando, Florida after that. And Joe, Thank you very much for joining us on the Sports Travel Podcast and best of luck with the competitions. Well, thanks very much, Matt. Have a great day. This has been another edition of the Sports Travel Podcast. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe to our podcast on all your favorite platforms, including iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Past episodes are also available at sportstravelmagazine.com, which features breaking news and features on stories related to the sports event industry. Be sure to visit us daily at sportstravelmagazine.com, at Sports Travel on Twitter and Instagram, and at Sports Travel Magazine on Facebook and LinkedIn. Until then, this is Matt Trout for Sports Travel, and thanks for listening.